When I first decided to switch to a plant-based diet 10 years ago, I made a lot of mistakes. My main motivation was for my health, so I made every meal with the nutrition facts in mind. I bought a cookbook from one of the most influential plant-based bloggers at the time, who was very straightforward about the fact that she was not a trained chef. She promised recipes that would change your health and your waistline without being super complicated to make. As a newly minted vegan, I proudly prepared dish after dish from this book, trying to convince my young family to get on board so we could get healthier together. But the one ingredient that that influencer forgot to add to her recipes was flavor. After refusing to eat a second bite of an especially awful bean casserole, my family revolted and went back to mac and cheese. That dish was so bad that even I was having second thoughts. I obviously stuck with it, but there were a lot of struggles along the way. Of course, there's not many people that would argue that most people shouldn't eat more fruits and veggies, but making the leap all the way to plant-based is a struggle for many people, both in theory and in reality. Athletes are especially in tune to how nutrition affects performance, and we all wanna make sure we do it right. And I've gotta be completely honest with you, going 100% plant-based can come with some challenges. So if you have shifted to eating more plants, whether it's 100%, 90%, or some other portion, how can you avoid some of the pitfalls and be sure that it's really a better choice? Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. I've brought on plant-based registered dietitian, Ashley Kitchens, to explain how. You'll learn the common ways plant-based diets fail, how to avoid them, what you need to know to truly thrive on a plant-based diet, especially as a runner, and why you might wanna skip the labels altogether and learn to tap into what your body is really asking for. Ashley earned her Master's of Public Health and Nutrition from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Before that, Ashley grew up on an Angus cattle farm in a small town in Indiana where meat and dairy were a big part of daily life. Unfortunately, so were GI issues, which she solved with a plant-based diet. She helps people who want to transition to a plant-centered way of eating, and she's got a unique, holistic way of doing it. What I love about Ashley is she is the opposite of the stereotypical judgy or preachy vegan. She is warm and calming and wants people to thrive, not stick to some kind of dogma. She's got some great tips that you'll want to know to be sure that you are getting the most out of your nutrition. Be sure to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode where I'll share another mental strength minute to fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. And now here's my conversation with Ashley Kitchens. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Ashley. Thank you, Claire. I'm very excited to be here. 
Well, I am really happy to have you. I am super excited to go into more plant-based nutrition content. So that's why I invited you on as a registered dietitian who is plant-based. So I think, first of all, we need to define some terms to make sure that we are talking about what we think we are talking about. So let's go over the main terms that get thrown around. Um, So vegan, plant-based, plant-centered, plant-curious, vegetarian, all of those good things. What, What are we talking about here? That's a great question because they all kind of sound alike. And so it's kind of hard to differentiate what is what. So the first one you mentioned, vegan, that is a person who does not eat any food derived from animals. So actual meat, um, dairy, and any animal byproducts, mostly like honey or eggs, different things like that. Um, And they typically don't use animal products either. So they typically don't buy leather. Um, And a lot of vegans are it's it's more of a lifestyle than a diet. It's it's attached to their morals, so it's it's really deeply rooted in them as a person, them as a human being, and how they want to live. And then plant based. So this is a more I would say more of like a loose term. There's no clear like hard definition for plant based. And I really feel like it's up to the person to kind of define what plant-based is for them when they're kind of on their plant-based journey. So I would say plant-based is more of a diet consisting very largely or very heavily on foods derived from plants. So it could be 100% plant-based or it could be primarily plant-based with maybe some meat and dairy here and there. Uh, that's that's my opinion. And that's sort of what I've read. I don't know if you've heard anything different. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, gives- no, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah, it gives a little flexibility to the person who is plant-based. That's what they're looking for. Um, and then vegetarian, that's a person who doesn't eat meat, including fish. Some people um, don't categorize fish as meat, but so just to be specific there, um, we're including yeah. fish as well. Um, and then sometimes other animal products for like moral or religious reasons. Yeah, got it. So I think that is where it gets confusing with the plant-based because I call myself plant-based. Sometimes I say vegan just because it's easier and it's quicker to say, yeah, I'm vegan. Um, But technically I am not vegan. I I am plant-based because of health reasons and the way it fits my lifestyle. I'm I'm happy that it helps the animals. I'm happy that it helps the planet. Um, But I try to stick to whole foods, you know, because you can be a vegan and live on, you know, Coca-Cola and potato chips and Oreo cookies. Yep. So that's not my style of eating, right? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. Actually, yes. someone, someone recently asked me, like, well, what do you, what do you call yourself when people ask? And I typically say like vegan is just like you said, really easy and people seem to understand what that is. But sometimes I'll say I'm a plant-based vegan because you're right. There's so much overlap and like I went plant-based for my health, but I've learned so much along this journey that it ties into veganism as well. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So I really get a lot of questions from people who say, oh, I want to be plant-based or I tried being plant-based, but it's too hard or I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. And I would love to really get into this section of of this topic is how do you actually do it? How is it? How do you make it convenient? How do you normalize it? How do you, you know, start where what's a good place to start if you think, hey, I want to go plant-based or, hey, I just want to incorporate more plants into my life. Yes. And if this is you listening, I can absolutely relate. And I think a lot of people can relate who've gone plant-based, who've gone vegan. Um, I was raised on an Angus cattle farm. And so it was so hard, Claire, for me to picture 
ever living a life without meat. I mean, it just, it wasn't part of like how I grew up and part of my culture. And so, which is the same for a lot of people. And so when you are wanting to embark on this journey, it can feel really overwhelming or like, it's like, where do I begin? Where do I start? Because there are so many places or so many steps that you can take, especially in the beginning. One thing that I recommend, especially in the beginning, and I think this can be one of the most challenging things is not comparing yourself to other people's journey Mm. because it can feel even more overwhelming when you're like, well, I I could do it like this person, or I, I could do it like that person, but really it's, it's what aligns best with you, especially when you're starting out. And when you're comparing your beginning to someone else's middle, you know, maybe they've been plant-based vegan for 10 years or even five years. That's a really big difference. You learn a lot, especially when you're just starting out. And so looking to other people for inspiration is a wonderful thing, but when it becomes detrimental or when it maybe is paralyzing you from moving forward, then that can become problematic. So that's one of the main things that I recommend, especially in the beginning is really just trying to hone in on your specific journey, why you're, why you're doing this, why you're setting out to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, most of the people listening to the show are runners, they're athletes, you know, they um, eat differently already than the standard Americans for the most part. So there are certainly, you know, even if you're not plant-based, there are certain things that you need to do as an athlete with your nutrition. So um, can you talk about that a little bit about what's different about an athlete's plant-based diet um, versus just somebody who really isn't that active? Well, one, you're probably eating more. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and you have to just kind of pay attention to what it is that you're putting into your body because you want to make sure, especially when you're a runner, you want to make sure you're recovering well. You want to make sure you're able to like sleep soundly. You want to make sure you're getting enough calories and macros and micros to fuel your runs and your performance. So there's, there's so many things that are different than maybe the standard American or someone who's maybe a bit more sedentary. Um, especially if you are a runner, there's just a lot more things maybe to think about because you want to perform at a high level. I mean, that's why you're doing what you're doing, or you want to be able to actually go out and enjoy, you know, going for a 10, 20 mile run. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're not fueling your body properly. Um, And that's another thing that I typically recommend, especially for people who are starting out or who are plant-based is to really try and get in the habit of planning out your meals or thinking ahead, like looking ahead at your week to make sure, and this is especially for athletes, to make sure that you have everything on hand so that you're able to grab items that you know fuel your body so that you can go out there, hit the pavement and just get a really good run in or whatever it is that you're doing that day. Yeah. So do we really have to plan everything that detail? Because whenever I tell people <laughs> plan your meals or, or try counting your macros and people are like, what? I do <laughs> not want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. how, do is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? You know, we runners are really type A for the most part. And when we start tracking our calories and macro, we can, you know, go off the deep end a little bit. Yes. So, so how do we do that? How do we get started? That, that's a great question because I'm actually, I lean more heavily into intuitive eating. So I'm, I actually don't encourage people to count calories, count macros for the most part. I mean, there's always special cases and especially for people who are type A and runners, especially, you know, they're thinking about numbers in terms of like 
their runs and times and all of that. And so to add in that layer, add into that extra complexity of having to track everything that you're putting into your body can actually be detrimental and it can make you become obsessive and maybe lead to disordered thinking around food, um, which is not helpful whatsoever. Um, so there are a lot of things that you can do there. One is just thinking about you know, there's a lot of signs that you may be under fueling or undernourishing your body, especially when you are an athlete, when you are a runner. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of those signs to make sure that, you know, you're able to get a good night's rest, your injury levels are low or injury frequency is low. You're able to go out and really perform when, you know, when it's time to go on your longer runs or shorter runs, whatever that is, um, and that you're not hungry all the time. You know, sometimes we're afraid of hunger and so yes. that can be a sign that you're under fueling or not getting enough calories in is if you're, you know, you eat a meal and you're hungry 30 minutes or an hour later, or you're just constantly hungry all day long. That's, that's one of the big keys. Mm, yeah. Well, one of the, the opposite effects of running is sometimes we go for a run and we're not hungry when we get back. Those hunger hormones are worried about being chased by the saber toothed tiger. They're not worried about digestion. And so we're not hungry after a run. And I tell people eat anyway. <laughs> Do <Yes>. you agree? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially for runners, when you can't actually feel that physical hunger, um, mm -hmm. you almost have to look at it as a form of self-care. You know what you just did. You just burned a ton of calories. You just really put your body through the ringer, you know, on this run. And like you said, your body isn't really thinking about hunger right now. It just came off of this really long run. And so you almost have to look at food as a form of self-care. It's like, wow, I just, my body just did this. Now it's time for me to nourish myself, to help myself recover for tomorrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, one of the um, truths, I guess, about a whole foods plant-based di plant diet, if you're really trying to go for, you know, the whole foods as much as possible, that's going to include a lot of fruits and vegetables, starches, whole grains, legumes, and those things tend to also have a lot of fiber. They tend to be really nutrient dense and not a lot of calories per pound. And so that's great if you like to eat a lot of food and you're maybe trying to lose a little weight. That's awesome. Not so good when you're marathon training and you just can't eat another bite. So any advice there for people who really are just struggling just to pack it all in? <laughs> One of the things, and of course, I just talked about not comparing yourself to other people, but I know, Claire, you're really great about this of like showcasing, you know, different foods that are not just nutrient dense, but also calorically dense. Um, so that you don't have to eat this large volume of food, especially before you go out for a run. That's not very great. Right. Um, but trying to lean more into you know, not just nutrient dense foods, but also calorically dense foods, things like avocados, nuts, seeds, um, dried fruit, things that are just more packed with calories so mm -hmm. that you're not having to eat this great volume and filling of your belly and not feeling great. Yeah. Good, good tips. Any other kind of places where people get tripped up when they're just starting the plant-based diet? Mm. One of the things that I see most often is it, it kind of goes both ways, either doing too much research or not enough research. Yeah. So really trying to find that middle ground so that you can feel at peace that you're doing everything that you you know you know know that you should be doing on your plant-based journey but not feeling overwhelmed by all of the literature because there's i think 
I think it's like a hundred thousand nutrition papers are published every year. So it can, you can see how it'd be incredibly overwhelming to constantly be looking at the research. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, not looking at it at all, or maybe not looking to people who are experts in the plant-based space for some guidance, just to make sure that you're getting all the nutrients that you need and uh, that you're eating a, a well-rounded diet that is full of variety as well. So again, not not doing any research and then maybe doing too much research where it paralyzes you from going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we can't have a plant-based discussion for athletes without getting into the protein thing. You know, the first thing is, where do you get your protein? That's one of the most common questions any new vegan asks. But I kind of want to twist it a little bit because I am seeing in the plant-based space a lot of people saying, well, we really don't need that much protein. We, you know, we can get all our protein from plants. If you just ate potatoes all day long, you could get enough protein. The, the average American eats way too much protein. And while that may or may not be true, I'll let you talk about that. Um, we're athletes. You know, we are running 20 miles for fun. You know, I eating protein has got to be a priority, I say, but I would love to get your opinion on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're if you're listening and you're plant based or vegan, you know that I'm sure you've been asked this question, especially as an athlete. I don't know why I feel like that's people are all the more concerned about our protein intake. Um, And even when you go into the grocery stores, Claire, it's like you can see how like obsessed we are with protein because there's protein bars and shakes and cereals and all of this stuff everywhere. And I think, you know, just to start off, there's this huge misconception that protein comes just comes from animal products. And all plants in some varying degree have protein in them. So if you're eating a well-rounded plant-based diet and getting in variety, then I'm going to put quotes around, you should be okay. Um, there was one of the main things that I recommend when it comes to, especially when you're an athlete, is making sure that you are getting enough calories. And we kind of touched on that earlier and making sure that you're not falling into those symptoms of not getting enough calories. Um, Mm -hmm. So as long as you're getting enough calories to fuel your activity level and you're getting in variety, so calories, variety, and with the variety as well, making sure that you're getting in those like higher protein plant-based foods, you know, things like tofu, tempeh, seitan, nuts, seeds, like hemp, uh, chia, pepitas, all those things, legumes, like you had mentioned, dark leafy greens, quinoa, nutritional yeast. As long as you're getting in variety and getting in those protein dense foods, you quote, should be okay when it comes to your protein intake. So yes, you obviously need to think about not just calories, but also making sure that you're getting a well-rounded diet um, when you're an athlete and when you're living the standard American life as well. Yeah. Yeah. So do you give people recommendations as far as grams or based on their weight or based on their activity level? Like how do you know, let's say, let's take a 150 pound runner training for a marathon. You know, how do I know what this person is supposed to eat, you know, protein and everything else? (laughs) Yep. No, that's a great question. And when I'm working with clients, it's typically long, longer term, you know, it's over the course of four, six, sometimes a couple years of four, six months then up to a couple years. And so I'm able to learn more about this individual and their activity level and everything that's going on into, you know, making them a great athlete. And so part of that is 
in, instead of going down maybe the rabbit hole of counting, because again, that's typically not what I encourage, we kind of just make sure that they're getting everything they need. And like I said, they're, they're not having those symptoms of underfueling, undernourishing, and Claire, that they're they're making gains still. They're making gains in the gym mm-hmm. or they're making gains when they're out on the trails or out on the pavement. Um, they're maybe hitting some PR times. So that's sort of an indication as well. You know, they're sleeping well, they're not restless, um, they're recovering, they're not getting injured very often. They feel like their energy levels are fairly stable throughout the day. So those types of things are more of what I look at than actually looking at every single gram that's going into their mouth. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's great. I think, I think though, you know, it, it becomes super challenging because we think, oh, okay, my food is totally on track, but I'm stressed out at work. Uh, I'm fighting with my spouse. I'm going through menopause, so I can't sleep. You know, there's so many other factors that kind of might look like a nutritional deficiency. So, you know, do you have any tips that, you know, that we can use to, that you, you know, to help sort it out so we can figure it out? Yeah, no, stress management is a big part of that as well. And with that, like identifying what self-care you're investing back into yourself, because if you're a runner, you're obviously beating yourself up, you know, when you're going out for runs, your body needs to recover. But if you're also pouring into other people, if you have a stressful job, if you have a family that you're taking care of, that can be also really hard on your body. So making sure that you're finding ways to pour back into yourself uh, the athletes that I work with, we, we've got to make sure that they're either getting like body work done or they're getting massages or they're even just going outside and, and standing out in their yard for five minutes and just getting some sunshine and some peace and quiet and listening to the birds. Yes. Um, something as a quote simple as that can be helpful in making sure that they're, again, pouring back into themselves because they're pouring so much into other people or they have a demanding job or whatever that is. I love that. I love that. I mean, wellness and all of that and self-care gets kind of thrown around, you know, oh, you should take care of yourself. But we often don't actually stop to do it again. Type A runners, we're push, 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 pushing, don't like to take a day off, want to do everything perfectly. But it's like those little things can actually add up and make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, they really can. Yeah. So one thing I always ask um, dietitians who practice intuitive eating is, you know, didn't our our intuition get us in trouble in the first place? You know, (laughs) like if we're having all of these nutrition problems, like how can we trust ourselves? How can we really follow our intuition? Because my intuition sometimes is, you know, a glass of wine and some potato chips. And, you know, like if I did that all day long, I would be in major trouble. So how do we, how do we really do this? So intuitive eating, there are a lot of great books out there that are helpful when it comes to, if if you're wanting to maybe, maybe you're tracking now, or you want to get to getting to get away from tracking, or maybe you've dieted a lot in the past, and you're wanting to just eat more intuitively, I would highly, there's a couple of great books out there, Claire, um, just called intuitive eating. And then there's an intuitive eating workbook by two wonderful dietitians. And I would highly recommend going through them if that's something that you're interested in. But what intuitive eating is, is it's a framework that basically helps you tune out all of this external messaging. And this it's kind of parallels with plant-based eating, especially in the beginning. So you're, you're trying to live a life and live an approach toward food that doesn't include rules, doesn't include shoulds and should nots. 
And what you're trying to do is tune out a lot of this noise that is stemming from diet culture. You need to be a certain size. You need to eat a certain way. You need to look a certain way. Um, and really trying to hone in on what your body is trying to tell you. But here's the thing, intuitive eating, just like plant-based eating, it can be challenging in the beginning because for some of us, that is going against everything that maybe we grew up doing. Maybe we grew up dieting, maybe we grew up just being told what to eat and how much to eat, um, or we've just taken that in from diet culture. And so we try to eat maybe the smallest amount and we're afraid of being hungry and all that stuff. So when it comes to intuitive eating, our intuition, so this is from what I understand, um, fear and intuition, they both play from like the subconscious mind. So it can be really mm. challenging when you're trying to start this intuitive eating journey or eat more intuitively, but then maybe there's some fear still associated. Well, that, that has a lot of carbs in it. You know, should I be eating that? Or I don't know, that has a lot of calories. I don't know if I should be doing that. So it can be hard to distinguish fear versus intuition. And it takes time to build and rebuild that trust with your body, especially if you haven't been listening for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's very challenging when we are actively trying to change our bodies. And I'm not necessarily saying losing weight just to look good, even though I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, that's how I got into running because I wanted to look good at my high school reunion and it's changed my entire life. So if you're, you know, in new to running because you want to lose weight, we welcome you. Um, no shame at all. But, you know, it's hard to be or if you want to change your body and get more muscle or become a better athlete, you know, it's really hard to be like, OK, well, I'm going to eat intuitively, but I don't know what I'm doing. Yep. <laughs> I want to be an athlete. I want to change my body. How do I do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And that's definitely where it takes, it's going to take you sort of investing back into yourself to learn this process, especially if it's something that is completely new to you and maybe kind of scary. The intuitive eating workbook, that is more of like a self-paced book where you can like journal and they give you prompts. And so you're really diving deep into how this journey is going to align with you. So there's no dieting involved. There's no rules involved. And so you're sort of you're unlearning and then relearning in a way, Claire, like how to eat again in a way that's aligned mm. with you. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. So, you know, going back to plant-based, um, one thing that I hear when, I, you know, I mention at a cocktail party, hey, I'm plant-based, because, um, of course, you know, we always have to talk about it at parties. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I hear people that say, oh, that's great. I tried going plant-based, but I didn't feel good. What do you, I don't really know what to say to that. Yes. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking or what, what, what are you saying when, when somebody says that? Well, the first thing that pops into my head is like, there are so many things that could be going on that like didn't make you feel good. And mm -hmm. you're right. We have to, Claire, we have to talk about being plant-based. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So one of the first things that I think about is I wonder if you were maybe just not eating enough food because right. that is a, a big thing that I see, especially with athletes is because plant-based eating, and you were talking about this earlier, Claire, because plant-based eating is they're just, it's less calorically dense foods. If you eat the exact same quantity as you did when you were eating the standard American diet, you are 100% not going to be getting enough calories because again, right. the foods that you're eating are just less calorically dense. So that's the first thing that I think of is like, ah, I wonder if you were eating enough because if you weren't feeling good, there might be something else going on. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us, you know, and Claire, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's like someone's friends, cousins, aunts, whoever, you know, went plant-based or went vegan and they got sick and lost their hair and, you know, they think right. it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, another thing I think about is that especially if you go vegan or plant-based overnight cold turkey our bodies even though they're capable of handling that they're not meant for radical change mm -hmm. so if you do it like within 24 hours for some people this can be a huge deterrent because you could experience either diarrhea or constipation or like some sort of gi distress like bloating you might break out your skin might break out and so you might have difficulty sleeping and so because of this, this sort of shock to the system, that could be a huge deterrent for someone who's going plant-based as well. And then of course there's supplements and things like that, that maybe there's some things going on there. Um, yeah, my brain's probably goes a million miles a minute. Like when someone says it, I'm like, I feel like I could problem solve this for you, maybe. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, you brought up supplements and I was gonna bring that up too. What are the key things that we need to know about supplements and the plant-based diet, both for everybody and especially for endurance athletes? Yes, so with plant-based eating especially, the number one thing that I recommend as a plant-based dietitian, and this is for anyone who's vegan, vegetarian, plant-based, is to supplement with a vitamin B12 supplement. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I recommend a supplement when it comes to vitamin B12 is because it's just the most reliable source of vitamin B12. When you are not supplement supplementing, you just have to be very, very strategic and making sure that you're getting several, several servings of vitamin B12 fortified foods um, so mm -hmm. that you are hitting that requirement. And also vitamin B12 is the symptoms that are associated with deficiencies can be irreversible. And so you just want to make sure that you're getting enough vitamin B12. That's the yeah, number what one. are what are some of those symptoms? Let's just run over those. So typically it has to do with like the brain, which is not great. So when we talk about irreversible damage, it is our things that you are not going to want to have to deal with. And Claire, I'm totally blanking on what those are now. So, <laughs> well, it can affect our fatigue levels too, oh, is absolutely. what I heard too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that is one reason why I stopped making my own nut milks. You know, I used to make it in the blender mm -hmm. and, oh, isn't it? I'm being healthy and I don't need to, all those additives that are in store-bought plant milks. But now forget about that nonsense. First of all, I don't have time anymore. But secondly, <laughs> is because I want the I want the fortification. I want the calcium. I want the B12. I mean, I do take a B12 um, supplement, but my kids, they can they forget to do that. So they're drinking milk in their cereal and smoothies and like yay, fortified foods is is the way I look at it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. They're so wonderful, especially for plant-based eaters. Um, like you said, with things like vitamin B12 and even plant milks that are fortified with calcium and vitamin D. I mean, those are great sources of nutrients, especially if you're consuming those things uh, or eating mm -hmm. those things in your diet. Yeah. Um, anything else that we should be supplementing with? So when it comes to other supplements, I typically recommend supplements based off of lab values or anything else that's going on as I'm learning you know, um, more about this client. The most common ones that I recommend are vitamin D. So Claire, approximately 35% of adults in the United States have a vitamin D deficiency. And that's mm. per the Cleveland Cl Clinic. And that's just not plant-based people. That is, that's anybody. Uh, right. living in the US. So looking at that, so if you think about that, that's about one out of three people. Um, so that's a pretty high percentage that you might be deficient. Um, and that can have a, an impact on your energy levels and your performance. And so making right. sure that you have a within normal limit vitamin D level can be really helpful. Um, another thing that I recommend, Claire, is what most often is an iron supplement. Um, and this especially goes for like um, people who have um, periods or um, if you are a runner or if you um, have like a heavier flow during your cycle, this is something that can be um, really important to supplement with. It is, it's the most widespread nu nutrient deficiency like worldwide, um, according to the World Health Organization. So just something to be kind of aware of, especially when you are getting your labs drawn, making sure that you're getting your iron levels drawn as well, especially if you're an athlete. Because again, this goes back to um, iron is helpful with carrying oxygen in your blood and mm -hmm. it's helpful for fatigue. And so making sure that your iron levels are within normal limits is helpful. Yes, absolutely. And it, it's not just for women. Men can be deficient too. Yeah. And But the, the tricky part with iron is that some people process it differently and it can be toxic in high doses. So we can't just say, everybody go take an iron supplement. That's yep. not a good idea. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. B12 is one thing, but when it comes to vitamin D, iron, even omega-3, just making sure that you're getting your labs done um, so that you see, like, just to see if you need to supplement and the same with iron too, there's uh, irons out there that are more, if you have trouble digesting iron or if it leads to constipation, which sometimes it does or causes GI stress, there are like gentler forms of iron out there. So if that's you, then there are some great supplements out there for you as well. Yeah, but definitely get those labs done first for sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, socially is one thing that I would like to talk about that plant-based eating can be a little tricky. It's getting way easier now, of course, because, you know, more people are at least aware of it and it's not quite so hippy dippy weirdo kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, with the holidays coming up, you know, Thanksgiving, you got grandpa coming over that wants his turkey, you know, what are some ideas for making it a little less awkward? Oh, yes, this and I'm sure for every person who is vegan, plant based or thinking about going either like this can be a really challenging time or the holidays or when you're getting together with family or friends. There's a lot of questions. There can be a lot of judgment. There can be a lot of comments. And I just want to let you know that I feel for you because it can be a really challenging time when it's meant to be a celebratory time. Right. So some of the things that I recommend are you know, let's say you're going home or going to visit family for a holiday and 
one thing that I recommend doing is just showcasing maybe how delicious vegan food or plant-based food can be. So bringing a couple dishes or one dish that you know are tried and true, anybody's going to like them, bringing them home with you to share with friends or family can be helpful and just kind of, you know, making other people see how delicious this lifestyle can be. So bringing yeah. a dish to share is something that I always recommend. That is great advice. And I'll tell you from experience that if you try to make it too healthy, because most people do this because they're trying to be healthy. So I've, I've been plant-based for 10 years this year. And my huge mistake at, at the beginning was trying to make everything so healthy that it tasted terrible. And my, my, my family absolutely revolted. They're like, you can eat this. We're not eating this. And so I had to find some like good cookbooks that were more just fun cookbooks and making some of the things that we've always loved in a, in a vegan way, not necessarily a hundred percent plant-based. We're using some butter, we're using some oil, you know, but, um, that is what totally won my family over when I'm making them, you know, hostess cupcakes that are vegan, when I'm making them scallop potatoes that are cashew based instead of cream based, that's the stuff they're like, okay, we can try this. And then maybe we'll have a salad later, but <laughs> you know, making it delicious is absolutely key for sure. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even when you're um, when you're preparing to go, just making sure that maybe the host, wherever you're going, knows that you're plant-based or vegan. So if they, if they want to try and accommodate you, great, but just letting them know like, Hey, I'm bringing a few dishes. So you don't, you don't have to worry about me if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they do go out of their way to make something for you, then just go over the top and showing them appreciation for that, because that re that positive reinforcement can maybe, uh, help encourage them in that direction. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are your thoughts on all the plant based meats out there? You know, in on one hand, it's nice that there are tons of options. And again, we're normalizing this. But from a nutritional point of view, mm, I don't know, I'd love to hear what you think. <laughs> so okay, I I am a fan of these plant-based meats and I'll tell you why. I'll start with the pros first, but there are obviously some drawbacks with anything. Um, so meats, meat substitutes, they are lower, typically, typically lower in saturated fats. They typically have a little bit more fiber um, and they can even sometimes provide the same amount of protein as a beef burger, a chicken burger, and they taste just as good. Um, most of them do. So that is, that's sort of a pro to these meat alternatives. Um, they're also really great, Claire, in helping people just eat more plants. So they look similar. So when you go to a barbecue, you're not maybe that vegan hippie that's bringing their portobello mushroom cap to put on the grill. You know, you have like <laughs> a, a vegan burger that looks like all of the other burgers and there's nothing wrong with bringing a portobello mushroom. But if that's, um, if you're wanting to maybe kind of blend in with the crowd and not get like pointed out for, oh, what the heck is that on the grill? Um, that can be kind of helpful just to bridge the gap with your meat eating friends. And environmentally, they, even though they are highly processed and not eco-friendly in all ways, they're generally associated with lower greenhouse gas emissions and just less impact on climate change in general. So that that's kind of encouraging. And then of course, animal wise, you're, you're not eating animals. So if that's more of like why you're doing this, that's obviously a huge benefit to these uh, plant-based meats. 
Right. Good, good. Yeah. So um, I think one of the other common kind of uh, reasons people say they don't want to go 100% plant-based is that they say, you know, it sounds really great, but I can't ever give up cheese, yes. <laughs> the, the power of cheese. So what do you say to the cheese question? <laughs> I know. Who did cheese would have such a stronghold? <laughs> I know. I know. So honestly, what I say to that is if cheese is the number one thing keeping you from going plant-based, fine. Like totally fine. I would personally argue that you can be plant-based and still enjoy your dairy cheese if that's what you want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I think too, the further you get down your plant-based journey, when you're eating your dairy cheese, I think you'll, you, the more you'll realize why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that dairy cheese will just become a little less important the further down this plant-based journey you go. If you never end up giving it up, that is not a big deal. What is important is that you're eating more plants, you're feeling good, the way that you're eating aligns with you. And small changes add up. So if you're plant-based and still eating dairy cheese, those are still small changes that are adding up over time. So I think it's a beautiful thing. If cheese is the only thing stopping you, you go for it. Yes. I, I love that message. I think that a lot of uh, what kind of slows down the adoption of people, um, you know, wanting to go to a plant-based diet or more plant-based is this sort of, um, I don't know, it's like fanaticism and perfectionism. And if you do, if you're not doing this perfectly, you're not a good vegan and all of this stuff. There's so much judgment that seems to come at people who are just trying trying it out. So I 100% agree with you that we need less judgment in our lives and it's progress, not perfection. And there's not many people that could, that would argue with just eating more plants is the yes. most important thing. Yes. Could not agree more. All right. Perfect. Ashley, this is a great place to wrap it up. I'm so happy to have you and all your expertise um, come on the Planted Runner and talk about this. Um, so where can listeners connect with you? The best place to connect would be on Instagram at Plant Centered Nutrition. I answer all of my DMs and try to answer all of my comments there. So if you want to connect, that would be the best place to do it. Okay, perfect. We will have all of that in the show notes because most people are on the run right now while they listen. Thanks again, Ashley. Thank you, Claire. If you're an Instagram fan, be sure to give Plant Centered Nutrition a follow. Ashley does a great job with her content there, so be sure to check it out. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is bring your B game. As runners with big goals and type A personalities, many of us want to excel at everything we do, but this can actually backfire if you're doing this every single day for every workout. You simply cannot work at your highest and best level all the time, or you will be on your way to burnout or injury. So instead of focusing on your A game all the time, bring your B game. When you have a run or a workout, aim for doing a good job, not a great job all the time. You'll be able to let go of some of the pressure to perform and you'll likely be more consistent and effective with your workouts. Save your A game for race day. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast. The ability for me to make this show absolutely depends on the amount of listens, downloads, reviews on Apple Podcasts and ratings on Spotify. So if you've already reviewed, thank you. If not, please take a moment after your run today to give it five stars. I also want to mention that you can get my free ultimate fueling guide for runners when you sign up for my weekly updates where I share stories and tips that I don't share anywhere else. Join us today at theplantedrunner.com slash join. Have a great run today. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.